0: We are being asked when I'm going to make my husband a father. When am I going to make my parents proud grandparents? When am I going to make my in-laws proud grandparents? And so can you only imagine as an Assyrian woman, just a woman, period, to have to go through so much struggle behind closed doors and then having to face the comments, the statements.
1: Hello, everyone. It's Adit here. Welcome to the Syrian podcast. It's so great to be back, and I will be your host today. And just jumping in to this amazing episode with Pollyanna. And I think that you will really resonate if you are someone who has struggled with infertility, if you have ever experienced a miscarriage, if you have experienced adoption or being curious about adopting, maybe you know someone in your family that has struggled with any of those things. And Pollyanna, what I really appreciate about this topic with her is that she just dives in with her raw, true emotions of her experience, and I trust that this will open up more dialogue in our community about the struggle and the support that's required as a community, as a union, uh, to support people who are going through the fertility journey through the adoption process uh, and starting a family in whatever way that they think is best for themselves. But all the ups and downs that comes with it, it's not easy. And so I was really excited to really open up this conversation on the Syrian podcast and have all of you join us for this conversation. And I want to just acknowledge that These experiences that Pollyanna speaks of are hers and don't necessarily reflect the experience of everyone, but it is important to open up this conversation around fertility, infertility, miscarriages in our Assyrian community, and how we can support one another if we know someone is struggling and going through that process. But I hope this episode opens your heart and mind, allows you to see perspectives you may have not considered before, and the richness and depth and meaning that can come out when we expand our understanding of what it means when we talk about the fertility, creation of a family, infertility, adoption journey for anyone. And this episode is sponsored by the Ushana Partners, a husband and a wife real estate team. And if you're considering purchasing or selling a home in Arizona or California, John and Rita are available to help make your next real estate decision into a seamless transaction. Contact the Oshana's at 209-968-9519. Get to know them a bit more by checking out their website through O'Shawnapartners.com. Now, without further ado, here's the conversation about the fertility and adoption process that Pollyanna has experienced. I want to welcome you, Pollyanna, to this Syrian Podcast. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your story with us today.
0: Thank you so much for having me today and for the warm introduction.
1: Absolutely. Can you share with listeners who may be new to you a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have been married from, with my husband for 17 years this year. And we have a five year old son. We live in California. I am Assyrian, full Assyrian, 100%. Mom and dad are Assyrian. And um, I am a children's book author and a adoption and fertility coach as well.
1: Thank you so much, Pollyanna, for sharing your story so openly, publicly. You know, I, I follow you on your social media and I own your books, which are so helpful for folks who are struggling with infertility. And if they're thinking about adoption, you are the person I would recommend anyone to go to to help really guide folks through that process because it is very challenging and at times very isolating, especially in our Assyrian community. I think that's, what's really unique about this episode is I don't know very many people who are open in our community talking about their infertility struggles, their adoption story. So can you share a little bit about what your experiences have been like as a Assyrian woman who has struggled openly with infertility and arriving to beautifully, you're adopting your son, Noah. And if you can share a little about how that process has been for you.
0: Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, uh, my journey very early on struggling with infer with fertility itself. Um, I, I was not open about it. Um, I kept it very, um, it, it was a, confidential, extremely secretive uh, topic that I did not discuss with family or friends. Um, And the reality of it was because of our background, our culture, Um, I was ashamed. And so it was something that I did not speak about or raise awareness around, nor did I speak about my struggles or the challenges that I had within the fertility space, Um, The only person that I would lean on um, to even have any conversations about what I was going through as an Assyrian woman was was with my husband. And um, so, you know, very early on in our marriage, we did have uh, challenges with fertility. um, And we were the couple who wanted to have children right away. And we wanted to evolve and have this big family we we envisioned having three or four children running around the house uh, because we were always that couple that actually went to the birthday parties where all the children actually ran to us and wanted to play with us and so um, we we never would have imagined that we were actually going to be the couple that was going to be facing the fertility challenges and so we did uh, we naturally tried for about a little over a year until I really was, I I had a feeling that there was something wrong. I just did not know what the wrong part was or where the disconnect was. So we started exploring and talking to doctors and doing some research and um. So many of the listeners that probably have either walked this journey or are currently experiencing fertility challenges know that um, in order to, um, you know, having diagnosis or in order to find out exactly where the disconnect is or where the challenge is, you need to do a lot of uh, lab tests. There needs to be a lot of uh, work done to understand um, what is going on. And so that took a lot of time um, early on within our journey. And um, to be quite honest with you, every doctor we went to, every test that was taken, everything came back normal. That was the frustrating part Um, because what I was hoping for was whatever it is they can find, let's fix it. I just wanted it to get, I I wanted to get it fixed. And, um, um, that was not, that was not what was, um, played out for us. We probably saw early on maybe five to six doctors and we repeated every test that the prior doctor had ordered. And I, I look back on it and I ask myself, why in the world did I do that? It was almost like I was, I was hoping that this doctor was actually going to find something that the previous doctor didn't. And so, um, that was not the case. Um, you know, we, we, the feedback that we received was relax, don't stress out. It's going to happen when it's going to happen. And so, um, probably another year or two passed by. And, um, that's when we really got into, um, seeking support from fertility doctors. And we started as basic as, um, maybe the listeners, some of them will know referring to IUI, taking medication and gradually, um, increasing or not increasing, gradually um, progressing into other types of um, support that we needed to achieve a pregnancy. Um, What I noticed through my fertility journey was that um, when we started the IUI process, we did it about, I think, over a handful of times, and we weren't able to achieve a pregnancy. And so after that, they would recommend maybe another procedure. And so we would tackle that on for another five to six months. And I ended up not being pregnant. And so finally, we ended up doing IVF. And um, we did three rounds of IVF, which all ended up being failed IVFs. So I wasn't able to achieve a pregnancy with IVF either. And um, what I'm sharing with, w- with all the listeners is, it, what I'm describing to all of you may sound that it's everything happened in a short period of time, but it did not. We invested over a couple of years in, in, in the fertility world. We invested um, our mental health, our emotions, our economics, we were drained, drained emotionally, financially, physically, mentally. And what was happening through that journey was, as I'm trying to find the answers or wanting to get pregnant is, now I'm living um, in a community and part of a culture where we are married a few years in, And we are being asked when we're going to have a child. We are being asked when I'm going to make my husband a father. When am I going to make my parents proud grandparents? When am I going to make my in-laws proud grandparents? And so can you only imagine as an Assyrian woman, just a woman, period, to have to go through so much struggle behind closed doors and then having to face the comments, the statements, the questions—very personal questions—and so it, it was. It was a hard time for me. It was a really hard time for me. Um, I did my best to answer the questions as as best as I could without releasing some, you know, personal information. But it was a struggle for me because at the end of the day, you know what I did? I began to disconnect. That was the only way I knew. And um, I noticed that we do that a lot within our community um, because we are having to face some very uncomfortable topics or conversations that maybe we are not prepared to answer or discuss. And so we begin to withdraw ourselves. And that's what I did. I began to distance myself. I began to withdraw myself from functions, from events, from weddings, um, baptisms, baby showers were probably the one place i just began to not even attend um i would make up every excuse in the book because i knew that the moment i would go in it was very common within our culture and community for someone to say well you're next or what are you waiting for you guys would make beautiful children don't wait too long because you you're young now you you want to have children very early on and so um you know, we, 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 we went through a very difficult journey. It was already difficult enough being in the clinics and the labs and working with doctors who just couldn't figure out what in the world was going on. Okay. But then having to face, um, family or friends or the community and, um, that, that was, that was difficult probably um, more so than anything um, because it was a time where um, I know that there's so many folks that are, you know, they're either going through fertility uh, challenges or they're going through struggles right now, but it's more common now that we hear about it. Maybe we don't hear about it as much within our community, but we can certainly see it everywhere, everywhere else on social media, We know friends of friends who are going through these issues. And so it becomes um, sometimes heartwarming to hear others who are actually going through similar challenges. Um, But in my case was during my time, no one talked about it, period. It was was almost like it was shameful. It was shameful. And so um, it took a lot out of me. It really, really did, and um, and it was something that I had to um, face, and I had to deal with, and I had to accept, and so um, it was it was unfortunate that um, we did not have the um, most uh, you know appropriate support system that we needed um, from a medical standpoint. Number one. Because I feel like when when a couple is working with a fertility doctor, there needs to be that emotional support. And that's something that I think till this day, we are still lacking. That's number one. Um, Number two is um, having that um, support system, um, personally speaking. Um, Although your husband or your wife, uh, your partner, Whoever is with you that is aware of your your, your challenges with infertility, I think you need to find who else besides that one person can be your support system, okay? Um, I didn't have that because I chose not to speak about our challenges um, because I was ashamed. And of course, I didn't want anyone to say, oh my goodness, so-and-so's daughter, they're having issues, They're having problems. And so I was so tuned in into what are people going to say about me and my family rather than taking that energy and putting it in a direction where it would actually be um, more more fulfilling for me, emotionally speaking, or finding the right support system that I'm able to um, open up to. And speak about my challenges and speak about my loss and my pain. Um, I just mentioned loss right now. Um, I had miscarriages as well. And so that was difficult because um, every time I knew I was actually pregnant, I was, you know, you you have this excitement, like you want to share it with the world. And um, it was something that I had to keep to myself. And unfortunately, um, my miscarriages were, they were um, painful from an emotional standpoint. And it was unbearing for me at that time. Um, It was something that I wasn't able uh, to process and and to deal with because I was, I was heartbroken and I was angry. So that's a little bit about, um, a little bit about my process and my journey, as far as, um, what we did as a couple and what I did for myself, as far as, um, uh, wanting to achieve a pregnancy or achieve the family that we wanted, at least within the medical industry.
1: Colleen, I applaud your vulnerability, your bravery, your courage, your strength, you know, to come and share, because I think it is important, the more exposure and awareness that is out there about the struggles with fertility and miscarriages, because it is common. It's just behind closed doors. And so you feel very alone. You feel very isolated and it is one of, you know, the most difficult experiences in life. And so to have, to do that alone, I can only imagine day in and day out what you and your husband and know, whoever else you shared it with, what you had to endure and go through as a couple, Um, you specifically with IVF, right? Women are, you're the one injecting that into your body, the, you know, the amount of uh, hormonal changes, and it's just um, mentally, you know, each doctor appointment, hoping for the news you want, then feeling disappointed. It, didn't, you know, happen or the miscarriage and the loss. It's just so many emotions uh, that you go through. So I applaud you for coming on, for sharing your story, because I know there's someone listening who is touched and inspired by you, who feels less, a little bit less alone today and might feel more inspired to reach out for support after hearing this episode. So to kind of transition into, at what point then did you decide, okay, enough is enough. I, I'm done with this. I am moving towards adoption. How, again, this is another conversation, a topic in this hearing community we don't talk about is adoption, right? So how did that come about? And what was that process like for you and your husband to decide that? And then you have your bundle of joy, Noah, um,
0: adoption just didn't come overnight for us. Um, what happened was, what I can share with, with with everyone is that I actually decided that I was no longer going to seek um, advice or fertility support from, from from the medical industry. I was just at a place where I was just drained. And I ended up actually in the emergency room because I got so sick. And so I'll, I will never forget being in the emergency room and hooked up to IVs and wires and everything. My husband came to me and he held my hand and his eyes were just full of tears. And he said, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm okay. If it's just you and I, I don't want to lose you. And if that's what God wants, then that's what God wants. And I'm okay with that. And I was already not feeling good physically. So like you mentioned so many hormone medications, It's already bad enough that um, within our journey, I had probably due to the medications and hormone injections, I had already added up to 18 pounds. So everywhere I actually went, everyone was assuming I was pregnant within our community. Looks like you've added a little weight. You must be pregnant. (laughs) And so I laugh about it now, but it's nothing to laugh about. It is a it's disheartening, it's heartbreaking. Um, it's, it's something that, um, I I still think about now and then. And I think, you know, we, 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 we assume and assumption sometimes can be quite damaging because you just never know what that person is going through behind closed doors. Okay. And so, um, Well, I looked at my husband in that emergency room bed and said, I'm done. I'm done. And I will be honest with you. I was heartbroken when I said that because for those that know me, know that I have a very, I have the spirit about me. It's a a fighting spirit. And so by me even vocalizing that it was hard for me, but I said it because I was, I I was done for now. That's what it was. And, And we walked away. Well, within the year, um, I connected with a childhood friend that I grew up with in Chicago who made an announcement that she was going to adopt. And I kid you not, this is where I think my faith, I was always someone who was of faith and I was faithful and I you know, was close to God. But I think this is where my faith just went to a completely different Direction, and I really think that God really spoke to me then. And I'll never forget when I saw that announcement. Um, I reached out to her personally a couple of days after because something told me to. And so we connected. We 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 had a great conversation. We caught up, and I said, "Tell me a little bit about this adoption." And for the first time ever, that's when I actually opened up to a friend and said, "Here's what we went through." I'm discouraged. I'm heartbroken. I feel like I'm being judged. I feel like I'm, I'm being pressured to make my husband a father, my parents, grandparents, my in-laws, need grandchildren. And so I want to know a little bit more about adoption. And so she too shared her journey. And in fact, she's a Syrian. And so she shared her journey. And she told me about her struggles and she told me how she went about and decided that her and her husband wanted to adopt. So that did something to me, that conversation. So I took that conversation back to my husband and um, my husband is not a Syrian. He is Palestinian Christian, but he's Middle Eastern. And so I remember mentioning adoption to him and he looked at me and I think he was being very careful because I was already coming from a very fragile place. And he said, okay. And I said, so what do you think? And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget his response was like, oh, I, I can't, th- but it's not our child. <laughs> it's not going to be my child. <laughs> How, w- what do you mean adopt? I mean, it, it was just, there was a disconnect. And so I knew right there, I said, you know what, I'm, let's just continue to talk about this and see where we end up going. And so um, we spent a good two years talking about it. And I'd say probably the first year was a lot of conversation. And then the second year is when I began to research and lean on my friend and um, lean on resources and um, look to find people within the community of you know adoptive parents. What does adoption mean? What choices we have? And um, then we came to a place where It was hard because as we were growing together and the years were going by, we were actually witnessing something now. The baptisms we went to, the baby showers I went to, our friends and our families, their children, their one year old birthdays that we were attending. Now we see these children are turning four and five and six. And we're part of all these exciting milestones and we're walking away so excited for all of them, but walking away with the empty feeling. So my husband is the one who said, I think we need to start exploring because I want to be a dad. And so we did, we did just that. That's when we began to start, you know, making calls. And of course I was very excited, um, And I had the support of my family, believe it or not. Um, My father and and my mother actually um, from a distance and even as they got closer to learning more about my struggles really knew how much I was um, heartbroken and I was suffering and how much I was yearning to be a mother and to have a child. And so um, they were extremely supportive of of our decision of wanting to pursue other options. Um, At the end of the day, we were gonna be parents just like anyone else. However, the journey to our parenthood was going to look a little bit different, okay? And if I have to just refer to the Assyrian community, it was going to be, it's gonna look a little bit different um, uh, within the Assyrian community where you make an announcement of a pregnancy, you're watching your, your, your friend or your sister, your cousin, or someone, a member of our community who is starting to advance in her pregnancy and she's getting excited to the ninth mark and she's getting the baby room ready. And so, um, Those were things that I may not have had the opportunity to um, experience personally for myself, but my journey was a little bit different, right? But at the end of the day, what I say is the same way the nurses handed my son into my arms is not any different than how the doctor and nurses handed the baby of an Assyrian woman into her arms, let's say, when she actually birthed the baby. There's nothing different because at the end of the day, we both became mothers. Okay. And so um, we were excited about adoption. We became more emotionally invested and faithfully as well. And I think um, my faith is what led me to even... Um, marry or even attach to the idea of adoption. And I began to visualize and see that this was actually a calling for us. And there was a reason why we struggled for so long as a couple and as a woman, as an Assyrian woman, um, because God had other plans. God had other plans.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that, Pollyanna. It's such a a beautiful and inspiring journey to see, you know, how you and your husband really connected and really had the support of your family to move forward with adoption. And then it inspired your book, which was the title I love. (laughs) I prayed God answered. And it's, you know, Barnes and Nobles and Amazon and, you know, wherever books are sold and such an inspiring book for other women. And as an Assyrian woman, I think it's so important to come out as a Middle Eastern woman. Again, adoption is not talked about enough. Um, So for you to have written that book, gone through your journey, it's very inspiring to hear some more difficult questions to jump into. Where we get a little bit more raw, a little bit more, you know, even (laughs) peel back the onion a little bit, even more. (laughs) So one question I have for you is, were you ever resentful that adoption was your option?
0: Let me think about that. Was I ever resentful? No. And I'll tell you why Um, I wasn't. And and the reason why I wasn't resentful was I wasn't resentful. I was relieved. I wasn't. Mm, That
1: is so beautiful. I felt that.
0: Yeah, I I, I was relieved. And the reason why, let me explain this to everyone. The reason why I was relieved is because I had already tried everything. (laughs) everything you can imagine i traveled everywhere i met with number of doctors i you know i ate certain foods i even i even did everything that folks would say well that's a, just a myth i did everything so i was i i knew that i gave it my all and i gave everything a chance so i was not resentful i was relieved I was relieved because I knew that I had one more chance. One more chance. And that chance for me was adoption. And so for me, it was relieved, not resentful.
1: What about judgment? Did you feel any judgment from the Assyrian community? family friends many of us go to church so congregation church congregation sure
0: yeah um family absolutely supportive 100 supportive and loving from all directions um the congregation that we're part of were extremely supportive in fact they were um they were excited. They were over the moon. Um, people would pass me through the halls and just hold on and just give me a hug and say, I'm so proud of you. We're praying for you, whatever God wants. And that's going to happen. And that's what it is. And so, um, but there was judgment and not within the congregation. I'd say through passing, through events, through outdoor activities where there would be, you know, people that would share share their feedback or share unsolicited advice, nothing that I was asking for nothing that I was inquiring about. But there were folks, and still till this day, I get that. Five years in, my son is going to turn six later this year. And so I still receive um, some judgment. Or if it's not judgment, it's just feedback. Feedback that I probably... 99.9% 99.9% of the time I'm not looking for. And um, um, and I think when I'm looking back now early on when everybody knew, because remember, I'm an Assyrian girl who number one got married back in 2005 outside of the Assyrian community now, okay? And now all of a sudden, I I don't have a child of my own. And what did we do? We announced that we are adopting so the judgment started very early on of, well, how can you make an announcement like that when there is no child? <laughs> and how do you know how soon this child will come? And so, um, you know, what I did was I, I was I was so excited about our journey. What I what I did was I started turning off the noise, the distraction, because I knew that I needed to focus on 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 the prize, and that prize was our child. And I knew I knew that God um, had you know taken us kind of through these bumps and and challenges for a reason. I was attached to the idea emotionally. And mentally that I knew that we were going to end up adopting. It wasn't like I was taking a risk by announcing that we were adopting. I knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of when. Um, There were folks who would stop me and say, aren't you afraid that the, the mother is going to come back and change her mind or take her child away? Or a lot of times I would hear you're, you're going to adopt a, they refer to as Nakhraya, meaning someone outside of the Assyrian community. How are you going to deal with that? You know? And so there was a lot of judgment. There was a lot of feedback, but, you know, again, I, um, I did my best to, my responses began to be not um, defensive, my responses began began to become more educative, more informative because I only know about my journey and what I went through. And I knew that I didn't have to prove anything to anyone, but I thought I knew that this was going to be my journey. And so I was going to be proud of my journey. And I was going to start speaking up because when I wasn't speaking up about my struggles and my loss and my grief, I was drowning. I was suffocating. And to think now looking back that I was actually afraid of putting shame on my family, or I felt shameful about what people thought. That's why I promised myself that I would never, never, Told anything about my struggles with fertility ever again, that I was going to be that person to advocate, to raise awareness, and to speak about my experiences without any shame. Because I know that um, our culture and our community, and even outside, uh, we need to raise awareness because there is a very serious struggle happening. There's a struggle happening with women within our community and couples within our community they're longing for a child for children they're longing to have a family and unfortunately they're struggling in so many ways and so it's a it's a um, it's a disservice i feel for them for those that are struggling that are not able to have that comfort level to lean on someone for support and guidance. And so um, judgment has definitely been there. It's nothing that has stopped or ended. And, you know, it comes in waves sometimes.
1: I like that you said you turned off the noise because I think, you know, in anything we do or, you know, decisions you make in life, you know, someone has an opinion or unsolicited advice. Mm. And I think it's important that. We remember we don't have control over other people, but we always can kind of go back to our inner knowing and compass, and and really stay grounded in your own why. And your why was this was something you and your husband confidently made a decision on, knew what you were going to do, and I have the privilege of having met Noah, and he speaks better than his better Assyrian than many other Assyrians that I know. Heck, he even speaks better Assyrian than me. So. <laughs> I that so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, at the end of the day, going back to what makes you happy and your family happy is, is really the most important thing. So I really honored that you stayed committed to seeing your truth come to life. And you spoke a little bit about the birth parent and, and people kind of having questions. I think that was really, um, wise of you to go into a place of being an educator, a mentor, which is why it makes sense. You're now an adoption uh, coach that you really help people get to know what adoption is like, because many of us don't know and have questions. And so the worry or the fear of like, well, what if the birth parent comes back? And um, can you share a little bit about what was your relationship, like with the birth family, the birth parents, um, how, how did that come into play in your decision and and how did that unfold for you and your husband? Sure.
0: Um, our, our journey with adoption, we chose to take the private adoption route, meaning it was not an open adoption, open adoption pretty much defines where, Birth parents or family and adoptive parents um, come to an agreement that they are going to have some sort of interaction um, as it relates to the child, to their child. So, you know, pictures maybe throughout the year, they'll exchange or they'll meet. And sometimes even these families evolve as one. Um, my husband and I decided to take the private adoption route. And we never had the um the um privilege or the experience to meet the birth mother. Um, in fact, when I, um, we received the call that we had, um, that there was a newborn baby boy available in the hospital at only when he was two hours old, two hours old. And so I met my, our son at when he was literally at three hours old, I got myself to the hospital at that third hour. And my point in that is, is um, I actually wrote a letter to the birth mother, in hopes that I would either be able to connect with her at some level while we were all at the hospital. Um, our son was in the NICU. Um, he was born a little bit early, so we were we were that was our second home for for a little bit. And so um, I wrote a very long letter um, to her. And I remember giving it to the hospital, um, social worker with hopes that she would give it to her. And she said, yes, I will give this letter to her. And I said, please let me know if she, she wants to meet here at the cafeteria, have coffee, or just even I'm open to an exchange. And so, um, my, without getting too personal about what my letter, you know, What I wrote to her was it was just to honor her and her um, selflessness and having to make a very tough decision to decide to put to to even think about pursuing adoption. And um, I wanted to honor that. I wanted to acknowledge that. And so I remember two days later, the hospital social worker came and she saw me and I was holding our son. I was, I was feeding him. And she came to me and said, well, I gave the letter. And in fact, I was there and she read it all. Um, And I, I think this part, I haven't actually shared because I've done some other conversations. I've never shared this. And, and, um, and I said, okay. And she said, um, she, de- she doesn't want to meet. And I said, and I'm okay with that. And she said she would rather just leave everything here and she wants to move on. And so I respect that. And so we moved on. Um, It was emotional for me. I remember I cried when she said that. I don't know why I cried because I felt like um, I was feeling her loss almost and her grief. I felt this heaviness, but in, but also I was, I was, I was, I was feeling my joy. That as a result of her decision, I became a mom. I'm a mother to a beautiful baby boy now. And I always get, and and this I hear a lot. In fact, I heard this last week. Someone said, your child is so lucky to have you. you. You gave him a home. And my response always is, we are so lucky to have him. He gave us the home. He made us parents. And so for us, it is an honor. It's a privilege. It's a blessing to be able to um, speak about this today. Um, and I'm quite proud about it. And, you know, I, I, again, I still get, you know, feedback where now that you adopted, you may now have a child of your own. I have a child of my own. And that's my son. My son counts. He's my son. He's our son. And so I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm so fulfilled with the love he is giving us and the bond that we have starting at that three hour old (laughs) when he was three hours old up to this point where my heart and my spirit is full, where my eye is not lingering or wandering. I'm not looking over my shoulder anymore. and thinking of the, what if am I going to get pregnant? Because I'm content. My heart and my spirit is content. And so um, a lot of adoptive parents have the opportunity to connect with birth parents. That wasn't in the cards for us. I gave it an opportunity and um, she respectfully declined. And I respected that. And so we moved on our separate journeys.
1: Oh, Pollyanna, the amount of goosebumps up and down my neck, my arms. (laughs) it's just, I mean, I'm fighting back tears. I'm like, hold on. I have to host. I have to remember my next question. (laughs) Wow. What a journey. What a story. I can only imagine someone who is listening now who may be even experiencing something similar and just it touching that core place of our humanity that, you know, it goes beyond just skin and bones. It's just a spiritual experience. Um, wow. How much does Noah, I mean, he's, he's young, but how much does he know? Does he know about the book? Does he know he's adopted? Does he know what about how much does he know about his, his journey, um, to coming
0: into your family? That's a great question. Um, no one knows what he's supposed to know at the age of five. And what I mean is, um, I really lean on my book, I Prayed God Answered, because the story is about a mother and a son. And as the son asks the mom, mom, how did I come home? And she walks him through this journey. And this is exactly what I'm doing with Noah now. We're walking him through this journey. Noah is aware that mommy prayed for a long time to have a baby and Noah is aware that, you know, God made that call to mommy and daddy and said, you have a beautiful boy and his name is going to be Noah. So no, this is what Noah knows now. Um, what Noah is aware of now, I'd say probably for the last six months is Because now as he's five, he's seeing other women with little bumps. So he's asking, what is that? And I say, there's a baby in there. And so he's like, is that what it was like with me and you? And so now I'm having to say, well, no, I didn't have the opportunity to have you in in my tummy. I say, you were in someone else's tummy. And that's where we started to have and engage in those conversations where I am in almost a, not almost in a childlike conversation and through cartoons and my book to say, well, there was someone else who actually carried you, but God chose you to be ours. And so he's starting to process that now and say, it's so nice that God chose me to be yours. And he's saying this in Assyrian. Okay. He's saying, Mama, Babu Allah, and so when he says that in this little voice, it just melts my heart. Okay. Because it's so pure. It's pure because I have really inserted faith in our relationship. And faith is what brought us to Noah. And so um, he has asked, what about the other woman, this other person who was, who I was, you know, she was carrying me or I was in her tummy. And I say, God had other plans for her. And so he says that he's like, that's so good that she kept me in there. And he's just trying to process as a five-year-old, you know, and it's so funny I laugh and I say yep she kept you nice and warm in there and so um and he connects a lot of that because of my book because in the book that's exactly kind of how we progress into she had him and then God made that call and said that we have this beautiful baby boy and so um he knows enough now where it's enough for a five-year-old and of course As we evolve as a family, as Noah gets older, we're going to allow him to ask those questions. And never, never did we ever go into adoption, my husband and I, and even my family, where we said, we're not going to say nothing to him. And we've heard that because Noah looks like you. Noah has the same birthmark as I do. There's no need to tell Noah anything that would be a disservice to Noah though to, for me, at least that would be damaging to our relationship. This is my son. And the last thing that I want to do is hurt him. Noah has a right to his identity, his background and his journey. Just as I sat one day and I asked my parents, how did I come? What hospital was I born at? Who was there? Where was I born? Dad, what did you do? he has a right to his past as well. And I will never keep that away from them. And I know because we have had Noah since he was just a few hours old, we have that bond. We have that connection, just like any other mother does with her children or their father.
1: All I keep thinking is what an incredible mother you are. What an incredible I just know it's just like an angel on earth. Just such a sweet 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 boy. He calls me Otto. I just like I love him so much. Yeah, and your dude. husband like the the um, amazing incredible family that you are. Um as we wrap up and end, Pollyanna, what is a takeaway advice something to leave our Assyrian listeners who might be on a similar journey and are struggling, what would you want them to take away from your experience?
0: Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Find your support system. Don't be ashamed. You are worthy and find the right people that are going to be on your side it's not an easy journey. It really isn't. And for so many of you have probably endured so much grief and loss, and maybe there's shame attached to that. Unattach the shame. There's nothing shameful about it. Unattach the shame. I feel like God has plans for all of us. It's just a matter of you finding out what your plan is and what you are destined to do and when your child will arrive in your arms. I feel that we are all worthy of having a child. You just need to find out the journey and you having that child in your arms. And so don't lose hope, don't lose hope.
1: Where can people find you, Pollyanna? Where would you direct them to find your book, to wanna work with you as an adoption coach? where's the best place to
0: point folks to? I am on Instagram, Pollyanna Pazan Surugi. Um, You can also find my book at Barnes and Noble or Amazon, any major um, retailer you will find. I prayed, God answered. Um, If anyone has any questions, definitely send me a message. Would love to connect with anyone in the community.
1: You also have a second book, which isn't related to our topic, but is related to our Assyrian community. Can you share folks with folks that book and where they can find that?
0: Yeah, they can find. um, I actually recently, a couple of months ago, um, uh, published a a Assyrian book. It's an Assyrian translation book for children. And so this book is Offering lots of colorful pages and will help children and even families that may not be married with someone within the Assyrian culture, but are looking to learn a little bit around the Assyrian words Um, they can find that book. It's called the Assyrian color translation book in short, and they can find it on Barnes and Noble and Amazon as well. So it, um, I have found that it has been an added value for children who are maybe struggling to learn the Assyrian language and parents who may not be um, very um informed about the Syrian language or our culture and they're using this book to um, help um, educate the little ones at home and even their spouses believe it or not <laughs> the non-Assyrian spouses yeah
1: I'm, I'm having my husband read through it so I have my my two copies of your book <laughs> and yeah. handing them out as well as gifts so definitely find Pollyanna on Instagram go on Barnes and Nobles or Amazon, get her books, purchase it for a friend who might be struggling, who hasn't shared what they're going through, send Pollyanna their info so they can have that support, that emotional support by their side. You have been through it. I think someone who has walked the walk, you know, talk the talk, walk the walk, you know, that's the best mentor you can have uh, through whatever it is that you're struggling with. So I hope, and I trust that this episode has landed in the hearts of the the people that needed to hear it. Trust God is working through this episode through you, Pollyanna. And thank you so much for coming on, for standing up and being the person who says, I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed. I'm actually empowered, inspired, and ready, you know, for everyone to, um, really receive the support that they deserve um, because you absolutely deserve someone by your side um, through all the ups and downs in life. So I applaud you. I honor you. And thank you so much for being here today.
0: Thank you for the opportunity and allowing me to share my story and my journey. Thank you to everyone for listening.
1: Thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast and share this episode with three people in your life who would benefit from listening from this interview. I hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next week.